Section 12 of The Sainted Queens. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Sainted Queens by Unknown. Saint Elizabeth, Queen of Portugal. Chapter 4. The King Dies. The Queen Goes to Santiago. Builds a convent at Coimbra and resides near it. Her daily life. She goes to Estremos to make peace and dies. Her tomb. Her canonization. Miracle of the Roses. Tale of Fridolin. Such was the tenor of our Holy Queen's married life, until it pleased God to deprive her of her husband. During the long illness which preceded his death, the queen waited on him like a domestic servant, discharging the duties of a sick nurse with unwearied affection. He died at last in the castle of Santarim, when the year 1325 was hardly a week old, and was buried at the Cistercian convent of Odivelas, which he had founded near Lisbon. In the first hour of her widowhood, Elizabeth assumed the dress of a Franciscan nun. The following summer she made a pilgrimage to Santiago, in time to keep the festival of the apostle st james at his tomb at high mass on that day celebrated by the archbishop the queen offered her royal crown together with robes of the most costly kind which she had worn at state ceremonies the richest drinking vessels of her table and stuffs of untold value from the looms of portugal and of aragon on her return from the tomb of the apostle she attracted vast crowds of people about her for her reputation had preceded her, and they flocked together to see her as she passed. In going to Santiago she had avoided this, by keeping her destination secret, till she was almost within sight of the place. At the expiry of a year from the king's death, Elizabeth is found at the convent of Ovidelas, celebrating his anniversary, in company with the young king Alfonso, her son, and the nobility and clergy of the kingdom. Returning to Coimbra, where she then chiefly resided, she gave directions to have all her silk dresses, some of them richly interwoven with gold, cut up, and made into vestments for distribution among the churches according to the poverty of their wardrobes. Her gold plate was also broken up to make chalices, crosses, thuribles, and lamps. The remainder of her jewels she divided between her daughter-in-law, Queen Beatrix, and her granddaughters, Queen Mary of Castile and Queen Eleanor of Aragon. The Queen had lately commenced a great undertaking at Coimbra, a convent for the nuns of St. Clair. We are told that she was an excellent judge of architecture, and frequently made suggestions which were found to improve her architect's plans. While the building was in progress, she gathered around her a few pious women who wished to devote themselves to the service of God and in due time to enter the convent. Among them was a lady of royal blood, a cousin of the queen's, who took a large fortune with her into the convent, and became its second abbess. The church was the first part of the work that was finished. It was named after St. Clair, the disciple of St. Francis. The queen directed that her own tomb should be prepared in it. The completion of the refractory, the dormitory, the infirmary, and the kitchen soon followed, and the whole was surrounded with a high wall. In the immediate neighborhood of the convent, a suitable residence was built for the queen and her attendants, and close to it, 
a chapel and two hospitals one for fifteen poor men and the other for a similar number of poor women when the whole establishment was finished the queen took serious counsel with her advisers as to her own future life whether she would do better to enter the convent herself or remain without dispensing her charities among numbers of the indigent her advisers represented to her that in the circumstances of the case she would do more good by serving god in the world she at once resigned her favorite plan of becoming a daughter of st clair and made her arrangements accordingly the day when the nuns took possession of their new convent elizabeth and her daughter-in-law queen beatrix by special permission obtained from rome were present in the refectory when the nuns were all seated the queens carried their food from the kitchen and served it to them at table elizabeth then took up her residence in the new buildings close by she spent much of her time in the church and among the nuns singing the divine office with them every day and encouraging them in the service of god the neighboring hospital supplied her with many opportunities of active duty among the sick this mode of life began at six years after her husband's death let us follow her through one of her ordinary days five of the nuns of st clair resided with her she rose with them before dawn to recite matins wads and prime after prime they prepared the altar in the queen's private oratory for mass when this private mass was finished the queen repaired to the chapel of her residence where two high masses in secession were sung in her presence her household also attending one of these masses was always a mass of requiem for the soul of her husband by the time that they were finished and the rest of the hours sung it was the hour for going to dinner after dinner the queen gave audience to all sorts of people who had business with her to the superintendents of her works in various places to religious or to secular persons who had petitions to present in short to all whether rich or poor who had a mind to address her on any subject the principles of the largest charity regulated her reception of persons who frequented her levies in the afternoon vespers were sung in her chapel and when it was not a fast day which was not often the queen went to supper this repast was immediately followed by compline and the office of the dead then she retired to her bedchamber and her nuns in her household to theirs but this pious soul did not retire to sleep she generally spent the greater part of the night in meditation and prayer and often rose from bed to resume her spiritual exercises so strong is the yearning of holy souls towards that place where their communion with their lord is subject to no interruption from the demands of nature for repose where there is no night because there is no weary body to repair no exhausted spirits to renovate the last year but one of her life the queen once more visited the tomb of st james at santiago but this time she went on foot with few attendants dressed like a poor pilgrim and begging her way along the road from house to house both going and returning an astonishing effort for a woman sixty-four years of age by this means she escaped the crowds which had distressed her humility on the former journey a great opportunity for the inexhaustible charity of the queen occurred when she was residing at her convent near coimbra her kingdom was visited by a famine which destroyed numbers of the poor the liberality of elizabeth was so profuse in her efforts to 
mitigate the sufferings of her people as to provoke the remonstrances of her attendants that she left nothing for herself and her household the latest act of her beautiful life was faithful to the spirit of peace which it had been her mission for more than fifty years to propagate among the crowned heads of the spanish peninsula the rumour reached her in her retreat at coimbra that her son alfonso of portugal was about to plunge the kingdom in the disasters of war in consequence of a quarrel with her grandson alfonso of castile her immediate impulse was to sacrifice the calm routine of her life and set out at once in search of the belligerents with the intention of using her old influence to promote peace her attendants urged the inexpediency of her undertaking a long journey during the hot season and at her advanced age but in such a cause no difficulties could turn her from her purpose in this her last effort she received the crown of her many virtues she had got as far as extreme offs when the king her son met her but here she was taken ill with a tumour in her arm on the monday after she was unable to rise for mass queen beatrix her daughter-in-law attended her very carefully rallying her spirits and doing all she could to cheer her mother and alleviate her sufferings while queen beatrix was sitting by the invalid's bed elizabeth suddenly turning to her companion said my daughter pray give place to this lady who is coming what lady my august mother was the answer of beatrix who saw no one that is she rejoined the sick queen who is coming to me in a white dress still queen beatrix could see nothing neither did elizabeth say more they were therefore left to conjecture that the mother of jesus was near to comfort her sick daughter who had always cherished a warm affection for the queen of angels on the thursday the queen saw her confessor early in the morning and heard mass in her chamber when it was finished she rose without assistance and went out of her chamber to the altar where her confessor was then saying mass and kneeling down she received holy communion with great devotion and many tears in the afternoon of the same day she was conversing with the king after vespers and as the physicians maintained that there was no danger in her complaint she begged her son to leave her and go to supper he had supped already but he went outside the door of her chamber with the physicians while they were standing outside the door the queen rose from her bed and stood leaning against it all of a sudden she began to sink her attendants called the king who ran in took his mother's hands and kissed them she presently recovered a little spoke of her fainting and conversed a while with the king about the princess eleanor her favorite grandchild and about all her grandchildren while they were conversing the queen feeling her end approaching began to pray mary mother of grace mother of mercy protect me from my enemy and receive me in the hour of my death she then repeated the apostles creed the lord's prayer and other prayers and as she went on she grew fainter and fainter till her words were no longer audible thus still praying she ended her life of prayer in the castle of estremos on thursday july fourth thirteen thirty six she had often entreated our lord that her son might be present at her death and even this little favor was granted her when her holy soul had departed her eyes and her mouth are said to have closed of their own accord next day the funeral train set out to convey her precious remains to her convent at coimbra 
the journey occupied seven days and it was regarded as something more than a natural occurrence that notwithstanding the great heat the body of the queen exhibited no signs of decay on its arrival at its last resting-place it was laid with great ceremony in the tomb which the queen in her lifetime had prepared for it among her nuns many instances of divine interposition are recorded in behalf of devout persons who visited that tomb during the two following centuries it was reserved for leo x at the instance of emmanuel king of portugal to permit the public honours due to a saint to be paid to elizabeth within the city and the diocese of coimbra a privilege which was confirmed by paul the fourth and extended to the whole of portugal the inquiry set on foot by the eminent biographer of saints the carthusian surius for his lives seems to have much promoted the knowledge and the honour of elizabeth both in portugal and throughout the catholic world in fact the collections made for him ultimately became the basis of the process of her canonization in sixteen twelve the tomb of the saint was opened in presence of a commission of inquiry consisting of clergymen and a medical men and the body was found to be incorrupt the decree of her canonization was finally pronounced by urban the eighth sixteen twenty five innocent the twelfth seventy years later changed the day of her festival to the eighth of july on which it is now universally kept and made the recitation of her office of obligation throughout the church the beautiful office in the roman breviary is attributed to the pen of urban the eighth himself saint elizabeth is perhaps best known out of her own kingdom by the miracle of the roses a legend which is however not found in the oldest biography and which is also attributed to saint elizabeth of hungary and to b germain cousin the shepherdess of toulouse lately beatified the legend relates that on one occasion wishing to conceal from her husband the alms she was distributing to a number of poor persons her lap was found to be full of roses in the winter time another anecdote is recorded of her which must be familiar to some of our readers in schiller's tale of Fridolin. it is to the following effect a courtier desirous of making mischief between elizabeth and the king accused her of too great intimacy with a young page the king believed the tale and prepared a terrible punishment for the youth orders were given to the workmen about a smelting furnace to throw into the boiling metal the first messenger who should come to them from the king on a particular morning the page was accordingly directed to go to the furnace and ask the man if the royal order had been obeyed as he hastened to it unconscious of his fate he heard a chapel bell in the forest tinkling for mass he paused entered the chapel and served the mass the king meanwhile impatient to hear that his orders had been obeyed dispatched the accuser of the page to the furnace to make inquiry he reached it before the young man had left the chapel and was seized by the workmen in obedience as they imagined to the king's orders and amidst vain struggles and protests was hurled into the lake of molten lead when the page arrived he was informed that the king's commands had been obeyed and he hastened back with a message to the horror and confusion of his master the count stood still an icy chill crept over each shaking limb but robert to the wood i sent hast thou not met with him no trace of robert sir i saw 
by wood or field or road now cried the count in sudden awe this is the hand of god with gentler mien than his wont had been his servant's hand he took and he led him to his wondering wife with a changed and thoughtful look this child is pure and clean of heart no angel purer is though i was led by treacherous art god and his hosts are his schiller note the reader who desires more particular information will find it in the life of the saint edited by father conrad janning s j acta s s bolin july fourth the author of this life though anonymous is presumed to have been nearly contemporary with the saint the manuscript written in portuguese was found in the convent of st Clare at coimbra the learned notes of f janning must be received with caution where they refer to english history as for example where he makes edward the fourth to reign from twelve seventy three to thirteen o seven and edward the sixth the sovereign of england at the queen's death in thirteen thirty six edward the first and edward the third would have been nearer the truth in portugal as in spain the name of elizabeth by a slight transposition of letters is frequently called isabella elizabeth elizabelle elizabella end of chapter four saint elizabeth queen of portugal end of section twelve